and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axelrite, and your hello is so loud today. I want to welcome people to the podcast. What's wrong with that? Well, when I have to edit this later, that's what's going to be what's wrong with it, but go on. Well, now you know Slagathor's burden. So... As always, we begin every episode by thanking the people that make this possible, our wonderful patrons. And they are Pam Galley, Marky, Orion McCann, and Chris Chipman. Now, if you'd like to become a patron, just head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com, geeks geekswithshields. It only costs you 25 cents an episode, and it goes a long way towards helping us with this podcast. So, today we are joined by Krug, who's here to talk about... Well, first-person shooters, shooters, third-person shooters, whatever you want to call them. How's it going, Krug? Uh, it's going all right. Can I ask, because you know me, and when it comes to game genres, I'm a, a stickler. So really, what are we talking about? You're saying any game that involves a gun? Well, I was going to get this one out of the way and use you as an example. We are talking about mainly first-person shooters. In that category, I'm also including things like over-the-shoulder shooters, like, you know, Doom... Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. Doom, Doom is a first-person shooter. You know yes, yes, yes. Bad example. I was thinking Gears of War, you know, similar Fallout? aesthetic. No. Why not? Because Fallout, the shooting is the l- lower down on the list of the game's focus. So mainly the idea here is to talk about where shooting is the main focus of the game. Games like Borderlands kind of creep in because it's one part RPG, RPG, one part, you know, loot hoarding, but the main focus is still on shooting. Fine. I don't... Let me put it like this. <laughs> Let me put it like this. If you took the shooting mechanics from Fallout and put it in Gears, Gears would be a bad game. Does That's that make sense? Gears isn't already a bad game, but okay. You shut your damn dirty mouth! <laughs> I have never had more man feelings in my life. See, I much prefer Gears of War's system when it was in Mass Effect, so... Again, Mass Effect. Not gonna be on this list because Mass Effect, at least Mass Effect's one shooting was pretty piss poor. Mm, yeah. See, I disagree entirely. I mean, I'm that's favorite, why we have Krug on. <laughs> my favorite video game gun ever is the Matic from Mass Effect 2. So that thing was amazing. Feels awesome to use. All right, well, let's go round table. Krug, what is your best go-to example of a first-person shooter or a shooter in this genre? I feel like for the majority of the market, when people think like first-person shooters, they're thinking of games like Battlefield. They're thinking of games like Call of Duty, and they're primarily thinking about um, some of the most popular, like fast-paced shooter games that are primarily based on how well you can kill people just by shooting, just by like you know what kind of attachments and kind of gun things. It's fully f- focused around how competitive you can be at shooting. So you know what this says to me? This says to me that because uh, all the games you've listed are games that I see as being primarily fantasy games, as in you step into the fantasy of being a soldier. Can you name a super realistic shooter? I mean, I don't know that. You mean, like, I think every game is about stepping into the speed yeah, of it's a escapism. land. No, escapism is the same thing as fantasy, because abnegation is escapism, but Mario is not stepping into a fantasy. Fantasy just means that when you play Call of Duty, you're doing it because you are escaping into the specific fantasy of being a soldier. In fact, more realistic shooters actually accomplish this a lot better. And I feel like in general, the kind of games you're talking about are the ones that fit into that particular genre. Okay, so now that we've got the genre tied down, are we ready to talk about the state of them? I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess what he's saying is that if you take first-person shooters and you can break them down into subgenres, 
which I suppose is definitely true. I mean, if you look no. at RPG games that are... It's not what I'm saying. I'm actually saying the opposite. I'm saying that first-person shooter is not a genre. I'm saying first-person shooter is a definition of mechanics, and that the actual thing that the games you guys are talking about have in common that is the reason people play them is the fantasy of being a soldier. So we're going to talk about fantasy shooter games. So, continue the conversation. Yeah, uh, my go-to when I think, you know, I'm saying first-person shooter, something like that, is, well, when I think the best, I think the new Doom. Have you other guys had a chance yeah. to play the new Doom? Yeah, Doom's great. Yep. To me, that game represents not everything that's good about first-person shooters, but a lot of what made them good. And when I think bad examples of first-person shooters or what first-person shooters do wrong, I immediately go to Battlefield 1. Battlefield 5. Battlefield, wow. Any of the Battlefield games lately are pretty full. But you know. <laughs> what do you got for us, Axel? Let's hear your way in on this one. Am I way in for good versus bad, I guess? Well, like your go-to, and you're like, this is a good example of this genre. This is a bad example of this genre. And I'm putting quotations around the genre for you. Don't worry. Yes, yes. Uh, well, good, I would say, I mean, Doom is a great example. I think Bioshock, particularly probably Infinite, where the emphasis is a lot more on the uh, the weapons than the, the magic. Isn't uh, that the game that killed the franchise? Infinite? Dude, Infinite yeah. is amazing. What are you talking Infinite about? Was- Infinite was definitely one of the best. I've, I've played the all three What of them. was the one that just came out and that they closed the doors on the whole? Uh, it was kind of an expansion. It's like Rapture at Sea or something. Like that. I don't know. I didn't play that. La- it was more like an expansion to Infinite that involved going back to Rapture, and it turned out to be... It was fine. It's just that they didn't make any more after that. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Nothing killed Bioshock. They just stopped making them. No. Bioshock 2 was the worst one, and it was still fine. Whatever. So Bioshock Infinite is your go-to for a... This is a uh, great... I was shooter. just saying that's an example. Doom is probably... I feel like Doom is the pure version of what you're talking about. I mean, like, original Doom, which I played when I was very yeah. young. Although, although New Doom was pretty great. Yeah, I'm as, talking New Doom is my go-to, but I have issues with it. But we can circle back around to that. Yeah, as for bad, uh, I mean, I, honestly, I, I think that things like Destiny 2 are problematic oh, from yeah. a... Uh, from a like game company standpoint, I think that while Halo Combat Evolved was revolutionary in a lot of ways, I think it caused a lot of copies, essentially people taking mechanics from it that were really stupid for other games. Like I hate the whole you can only carry two weapons thing that permeates many of uh, these shooter games nowadays. And I don't know if Halo created it, but it was the first game I played with it. And afterwards, like every game with guns did it and I hate it. So yeah. It, it takes a lot of the fun out of it. I don't know. I kind of wonder if they were trying to copy the whole Resident Evil mentality of, well, you have to ration your bullets. When I think of bad shooter games, I think of mostly like business decisions. Hey, let's put out literally eight different editions of this, or let's microtransaction the hell out of our players, or let's take content that was in previous versions of the game and let's lock it behind paywalls, or let's make release a remaster and charge full price for it and still charge extra for the DLC from the game that was, you know, 10 years old. That's the kind of shit I think of. All right, then let's jump right into that. What do we think of the current state of the genre quotation marks uh axel you teed off a lot of what i think is wrong with the genre right now uh krug i mean i think that he definitely is hitting the mark of a lot of people are moving away from the first person genre and i feel like that's because the the biggest triple a games that are coming out which are the ones he mostly hit on are turning they're turning towards more about profit than about making a quality game uh games of service it's pretty much 
it's pretty much not arguable at this point right now that the two current biggest shooters in existence are Fortnite and Overwatch, right? Like that's pretty yeah. much that argument at this point. But what about PUBG? PUBG is dying a slow, painful. Fortnite Shut destroyed up. PUBG. <laughs> yeah, then we we just got you know that we we got to get it out there because the PUBG people are gonna go PUBG's gonna make a comeback. No, it's not. No, I don't give a shit about any of these uh, battle royale games, but I'm just saying that Fortnite is like definitively the master right now. Can <laughs> I ask why is it that we live in this world that you know the arena based math whatever the hell shooters are? Where is our Planet Side Three? I mean, I feel like the issue with Planet Side Three was the fact that it's really just Planet Side Two got left in the dust. And I don't know where their development team went, but uh, they, I, I mean, I played Balance Side 2, and it feels well-dated for sure. And it seems like they just kind of left the whole it server. It lasted for a while, and then it got left behind. But I'm saying in this huge genre where, you know, people are throwing money at Fortnite, why are they not going, hey, we can take that, you know, Planet Side uh, idea and make a third one because it's this, but better. All right, now, now here's the thing about these games. First of all, Fortnite, I can't say like dick about. I know basically nothing about Fortnite. I don't really understand the appeal. I mean, okay, I get the appeal conceptually. Like, oh, it's it's Battle Royale, the movie, essentially, but in the video game form, which is, that's pretty neat. But it's fast-paced fun. Here, I mean, here's the thing is that I feel like if you looked at the majority of the market for Fortnite, the, the big things that are the draw to it, I feel like, that have really drawn a lot of its attention has been the fact, one, is they released most of the content initially free, which means anybody with an Xbox or a PC could go and download it off the internet and you could go play it online. I don't know if that's the case anymore because I know they had an official release. When it was popular, it was free. I um, think it still is free. I'm too old to really keep I know it's a thing. So I don't know, but my point is that I can't really say <laughs> to how Fortnite is affecting the, the game genre other than I know it's doing the like the team fortress kind of thing with you know hats and little microtransaction stuff which i don't actually have much of a problem with uh in base concept overwatch on the other hand i played for like six months before i started boycotting it so i can you know talk about it a bit and what i think was interesting about overwatch besides the whole loot box thing which i will rant about forever but jim sterling does it far better than me so i don't know if i can say anything he hasn't already said but what I do think is interesting is that Overwatch did something to really that I think is really positive for shooting as a genre, which basically it's it copied the fighting game genre when it comes to character design. Because really, when you pick a fighter, uh, and as someone who plays a lot of fighting games, I can say this, mechanics are important, but a lot of times you pick a fighter based on what characters you can play. I mean, that's why Street Fighter II is, you know, was king for so long as it had such a crazy roster of people from different nationalities. And so Overwatch embraced that by instead of being like, you know, the Call of Duty's and the Battlefields, where it's just generic soldier one, two, and three, every character was designed so different and lovingly and interestingly. And I know people who play Overwatch who are really into it because of those characters, you know? I like how Yahtzee put it. They uh, spun the fetish wheel. Sure. <laughs> it's I, crude, but come on, that is 100%. Okay. Well, not 100%, but it's definitely went into the design, character design. But it's jokes like, aside, you get, what I, you get what I mean, right? Oh, like, yeah. No, it's 100% brilliant marketing, and they did copy the fighting design because it is very clearly you look at it going, oh, this person plays this style just based on how they look. Yeah, but for like 10 years, one of the reasons why I didn't play first-person shooter games in general is because the characters are so boring. Like, for instance, all the Battlefield and Call of Duty games, which were two dominating genres for like 10 years, 
I could I could never differentiate the characters you play as or any of the side characters because they're just Army Man one, two, and three, right? And I hate yeah. that lack of diversity in. I 100% agree with you. And I think that's kind of currently the problem is they are just bland army guy one, two, and three. And that's why I quote, I cite, you know, Battlefield one as my go-to example of a bad first person shooter, because this was a chance to reinvent the genre. We're going World War One. This so is Craig, cringe. Craig, you played, did you play a lot of like those games during that, that year, that period? Um, so are we specifically just talking about the Overwatch? Um, no, no, I was like saying... similar types. We're talking about the Call of Duty's like, first-person shooters, the okay. generic stuff. Like the my, generic my, stuff with them. Because what I'm pushing forward is that Overwatch, among the many things it actually did, the main thing it did right that appealed to me was uh, fix a problem that they had with like Battlefields and Call of Duties, where basically all the characters were really boring and samey. So yeah. I was just curious what your thoughts were. So the the thing that I think um, that the Call of Duty market is really that they've run into the last few years and where it has changed previously was that when I played the Call of Duty games, one is that from a younger market, if you're, you know, it really did appeal to people that wanted something that was quick, that was easy, and that was simple. But the problem that they ran into is that because they're making enough money off of these games, we used to make jokes all the time as the time developed, is that they just stopped innovating. They said, why don't we just rinse and repeat the thing we did before? People will buy. And when you initially had this system where you could where there is you could play like the first initial ones call of duty world at war call of duty modern warfare one and two the games were still a new genre and it was one of the first kind of ideas of having these fast-paced shooter games and they did their system fairly well the problem that they ran into later on which i think is what drove people away from them is that call of duty basically created its own uh it's it basically made a market out of not changing anything and for a lot of people, it was like, why do I need to buy the new Call of Duty when the last year's model does the same thing that it did before? And I like now... To, I like to call that a Madden syndrome. Oh, God. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Madden does it periodically, too. Madden has got it down to a science. Well, Madden is the king of it. They literally haven't changed what it does in, like, 15 years. It has changed what teams and what players are available, so... You could play Madden 20, like 14 through 2019, and it doesn't matter, in, in my opinion. I mean, maybe if you're a diehard sports fan, you know, keeping up with the change in the roster and whatnot might make a difference. Only sports games I ever liked were Fight Night, and they basically stopped making those. Yeah. Sad. Anyway, you were saying. Anyway, I think that the issue that Call of Duty ran into was uh, was basically like people, just, their sales started to decline. And their sales are declining simply because there's a lot of other games that started to come out that innovated more than they did and took a different approach and what they were already had been making for at least, I think about, it was probably around 10 years at that point. And now I can't even tell the difference between the Call of Duty games. Like, what are they on? Like Call of Duty Black Ops, like five? I, I don't even know like what it is. And it's well, only- they said they were going back to World War II to hook us and I didn't play. I don't know how that one turned out. By the way, I want to say one one thing you said that really interested me that I think you mentioned fast paced and one of the things i always didn't like about what i'm going to call modern shooters and they're not really modern shooters anymore but that's what the term was used for a long time was i actually felt they were slow but that's because you know the back when i did play first person shooters back in the time of like resistance and quake well you know i played quake man so and that made things like call of duty and whatever it's medal of honor kind of games feel sluggish by comparison but in quake you know you're jumping 50 feet you're you're shooting rockets in midair at people like it was ridiculous and over the top it was meant to be and i feel like part of that was also it was 
that was also more towards a PVE market where Call of Duty definitely tried to pretty much the Call of Duty genre forgot it even had a campaign, and I think it still basically does. And I will say focused, the one thing I have to interrupt. The one thing about that that doesn't Quake Two is like I don't I, if it has a campaign, I'm not aware of it. That was always a uh, <laughs> competitive game. But go yeah, on. Quake Quake Two. I guess they I guess the initial Quake was the because i think it came out on xbox original the first one did um which definitely is a little bit before my time starts edging back but i'm just saying that um that the fast like the little like massive multiplayer online things of that sort i think like a lot of it dawned with like the upcoming of games like that and like call of duty but now that basically that's like you can pretty much pick up any video game on the market and it probably has some kind of multiplayer aspect well that's kind of why i was i was saying like another thing i feel like no, overwatch did once had yeah, I was saying like another thing that Overwatch did, I think, was speed up gameplay in general. Like I look at how Overwatch plays and compare that to how a lot of those other modern games play, and it just feels so much faster paced. And then you know, like they had a Doom remake, and it just feels like you know kinetic. Yeah, exactly. That's a great word, kinetic. Yeah, am I the only one that's not a big fan of that? Of what? Like, highly kinetic play. Yeah, like yeah, I like the Doom remake. Partially because it's so visceral and you feel like a badass. But well, I kind of miss... The thing okay. about Doom is that Doom is very dependent upon what difficulty you're playing. Yes. If you play it at the lower difficulties, you can basically, like, you can feel like a tank rolling through and you don't really have to play it, like, that quickly. But if you start cranking up the difficulty towards Nightmare, it starts becoming a Twitch shooter. And I mean, you have to, you have, it's, it's much faster paced. It, it well, each fun. difficulty level makes it faster. I gotta say Doom though, the fantasy is your, you know, you're killing demons. Like Doom's fantasy has always been based on that. All right, let me put it this way. I don't like generally any shooter that's reliant on chest high walls. That really cuts down the kineticism of gameplay, right? I will say there's a time and place. I mean, I'm, more power too. The only there are a handful that work for me. Like, okay, Resistance had some focus on chest eye walls, but mm -hmm. I gets away with it because of things like the bullseye and having ridiculous <laughs> the top guns. So, and I think we should spin off into strengths then. Real, uh, some should talk about negatives, and you're kind of hitting on it. Resistance may be my favorite. The first one, Resistance: Fall of Man, maybe my favorite shooter of all time. Borderlands Two is pretty high up there. But I think I like resistance more. Well, I feel like those are two genres, different, but yeah, well, yeah also they are two different genres. But if I'm laying down, you know, strengths and weaknesses, I feel resistance wins out for me. That sentence right there is why he has to do quotation marks genre. I will delve deep into why those two don't feel like the same game, even though they are both first-person shooters. Because first-person shooter is not a genre. Anyway, if we are counting Borderlands 2, I might have to choose that, just because, I mean, Borderlands 2 is primarily a narrative game. It's hilarious, and I adore it. But, I don't know. If you, count, mean, if you count Bioshock, I have to say Bioshock. Oh, yeah, Bioshock's definitely in that category. Especially, uh, what was the third one? Infinite. 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 Yeah, Infinite. That's that the one you you thought would killed it before. Oh, I'm so I was off on Mass Effect. Yeah, the Mass Effect yeah. trilogy. Once they fixed it, uh, is actually like amazing and one of my favorite games genre. But anyway, not talking about that. Bioshock. We're talking about chest high walls and how sometimes they work. Oh, sure. I, I will argue. Well, I will argue if they are organic, like in Resistance, where you know, oh, that's uh, we're fighting in a village, so of course there's a wall. Where they aren't organic is Gears of War, which yes, I love, but. Man, who's laying down all these chest-high walls and these big open <laughs> corridors? 
I mean, it I don't know, but the thing about no Gears sense. of War was that, I mean, yeah, sure, it makes no sense, but it was really intrinsic to its gameplay. Like, the whole purpose of that game was basically running from cover to cover and well, doing it flawlessly and making it, like, a whole game mechanic around being able to switch from cover quickly. And yeah. without it, it would it would, it would would have a lot of flaws because you are not you don't handle well out in the middle of a field if you're in Gears of War. You're a walking refrigerator. Yeah. yeah, but I don't I don't see what dynamic that that mechanic is delivering on like the idea that uh, to make you to force you to go from this cover to cover i i personally don't see the enjoyment factor i'm not saying that there isn't one i'm sure there are people out there that find something in it it's like i had an argument with uh ragno a while back about weapon durability in games and how i have oh, never mm, i fucking never hate weapon durability i've yeah, never I don't seen think a game anyone likes that yeah, I've never once seen a game where it works. He was making the argument that he actually likes weapon durability in games like Breath of the Wild because it makes him feel more immersed than kind of a, you know, you're out in the woods surrounded by the skin of your teeth kind of feeling. And like, I don't get that, but it's just because I don't get it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. So I was like, okay, fine. That's your point of view. That's because I don't want to have to carry six of the same sticks. So that way I can keep hitting people with my stick. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's absurd. I don't, I, I mean, I get that the stick breaks, I'm sure, but there's well, a point. Well, make it an option. Don't make it a, fe- a core feature. Yeah. But you get my point. Chest high walls and cover based shooting. That's actually the mechanic we're talking about. Cover based shooting. Same thing. I don't. I've never seen cover based shooting where I enjoyed the actual cover based shooting. In Resistance, it's a flaw that is overcome by the game's other positives for me. But that doesn't mean I don't think there are people out there who actually do get something positive out of cover based shooting. Yeah. I would argue it works because when it came out. It was a cha- it was a game changer because we had gone from I'm just going to you know roll into this storm of fire. This was a different mechanic that I think as we've kind of said the industry goes hey that worked I'm going to repeat it until it's dead. Well no here here's what I what I mean when I say that there are old shooters where hiding behind cover was a thing you did. It wasn't a mechanic. It was a I'm literally okay like. What is that old uh, Star Wars game where you play as not Han Solo and like you run around with a guy? But I remember there's that uh, that boss fight where you got to fight an ATAT like while you're just a guy with a gun. That game didn't have like press a button to hide behind a door. That didn't mean you could or Turok, same kind of deal, right? You could just go into a hallway and boom, you're behind cover. But because it wasn't like a mechanic that they were trying to build for, they didn't fill a room with chest high walls. You just had to organically kind of find your own way of you know, protecting yourself. But once it became a, all right, we're putting this in here, we're building our encounters around it, it changed the pacing at how those encounters happen because it's now based entirely on, all right, sit here and wait for the moment, shoot and sit and wait. <laughs> I mean, I think that the uh, the issue, I think that I kind of agree with, as you said, with uh, cover-based uh, gameplay is that it hasn't really been perfected yet. Like, even with games where they've implemented it, in, like, games where it's not even required, like, the peak feature, something they've added a lot, where you can come up to a piece of cover and aim, and you'll look over it. How often do people actually use that? It's not very often. And I feel like it's just honestly forgotten about. Yeah, it's, again, the industry said, hey, this worked, and they stopped developing, which, again, kind of goes into our flaws, which was the opposite we're trying to do. We're trying to talk about things that we think have worked in the past. So I'll get us back going. Vehicles. I love dynamic vehicle usage in video games. One of the few things about Halo Combat Evolved, I will praise it. I will argue Star Wars Battlefront 2, the original, did it better. I definitely disagree with that. I, don't get me wrong. I love the vehicle. 
Star Wars Battlefront 2, but they serve a very different purpose. And here's here's yeah. what I mean. The, 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 the function of vehicles in Star Wars Battlefront 2 on most maps is like, oh, I pop in a, a tank and I roll around and shoot people for a while. And that's the, the fantasy. I'm in a tank. But in Halo, right, I got into a warthog and my friends and I would just sit around and figure out how, what we could jump off, how we could explode and make jumps cooler. And it was felt kinetic and dynamic. And again, this is the uh, kinetism of play that, that wasn't really in Battlefront 2's vehicles. I thought you were going to say that the uh, vehicles in Halo actually served the mission, whereas in Battlefront 2, it was like, oh, that's cool for a while, but I need to actually be on the ground to win this mission. Nah, mission didn't really matter in this particular point I'm making. My my point is that driving the Warthog itself was fun. It was like a fun activity to do. But piloting any vehicle in Battlefront 2 was just interesting and a quick way to get some kills and protect yourself. It wasn't necessarily fun outside of some of the dogfighting, which I enjoyed. But that's different entirely. Greg, you want to weigh in on this one? I know you and I played a lot of Battlefront 2. I mean, I think that he does have a point in the fact that anytime you play Star Wars Battlefront 2 and you get in a vehicle, you're basically invulnerable. Like, you basically can mow down as many as you want with little to no threat. Uh, but I never played the multiplayer, which I don't know how that would affect it, but I know that there was a big market for that at the time. I was too young. Um, and we didn't have access to the internet, I think, at that It didn't time, really exist. It was Your multiplayer was what you could... How many friends you could cram into a room? Um, I, I miss vehicles. I think, I think right about Halo, though, in the, the sense that... Um, vehicles became like or an intrinsic part to the halo experience and like part of the reason like i can remember like oh man i gotta get the new halo game and the main reason was like you really wanted like the new vehicles and like the new guns that was the big thing that they changed was it i'm sure they updated the graphics or whatever but like, I, I really want to try out that new vehicle or that new equipment or whatever. i remember playing i think in halo one yeah yeah i remember the first time i got to actually get in a, a banshee the flying thing and and fly banshee. that around that was awesome <laughs> Or like, yeah, they've added like, some of the vehicles that they've added over time. Um, they just added like a new aspect of the game that you didn't have before. I, I, have a, I have a, I have have a strong memory of my friends sitting around and figuring out how to make as high a jump with the ghost, the, the floating like, <laughs> thing, like figure out how to get it to go as high as possible with grenades and rockets and shit. And we just did that for like two hours, like that yeah. kind of stuff. That, that big market developed especially is like, in my opinion, the, the most refined Halo that they made was Halo Reach. And I, I mean, I, yes. I, I like the other Halo games. So don't get me wrong. The storyline for the first three games that they released were great. And, but Halo Reach to me had the most, the graphics were still great. The multiplayer setup was just perfect. Being able to implement your own character with his armor setup. I mean, it, it allowed you to kind of immersify yourself into the campaign, but also the fact that they added that, uh, the Forge, the forge mode and forge mode became really started to take hold in halo reach where you could really start building whole things yourself and when that came to it it also added stuff like you just talked about where like you could start stacking like jumps and you could start stacking things where you could throw yourself basically into the roof of the video game until you broke your neck on the roof of the game i will say that uh what little i i followed halo pretty well through halo 2 and then halo 3 i fell out of it in general but the odst are way more interesting than the spartans as far as i'm concerned and the spartans themselves well i mean humans themselves are far less interesting than the covenant in that game in general but i'm always a big fan of 
different and crazy alien designs. So yeah, this, this that yeah. part of that was Halo ODST was kind of left out on its own. I remember it was more of a price. It was like cash grab at the time. The more than oh, it was one hundred percent a cash grab. No, and I think that brings us to another point because I, I mean we're supposed to be talking about positives. We kind of seem to be drifting more towards negative things. Story campaign. That is why I love Resistance. Is that is a fantastic story. Where is that I mean, gone? I was actually going to say this is the one topic I feel like in general we can say pretty uh, what what's the word um definitively is a lot weaker now because game companies in general have this focus on the live service model (laughs) which is terrible but because of that the focus is entirely on multiplayer don't get me wrong multiplayer is fun playing with your friends is half more than half the reason i play most of the games i play but I am also a big fan of the single player experience, which, of course, game designer or game companies have been saying single player experience is dead for years. And then something like God of War comes out and basically says, yeah, you're fucking wrong. So <laughs> and as for in the shooter category, that's especially true. I mean, look at OK, the it's a low hanging fruit. Yeah. But look at Star Wars Battlefront, which originally wasn't even released with a story campaign. and then You mean where they told us that the fans didn't want a story campaign, they only wanted multiplayer? Exactly, and everyone got, you know, really... I mean, I remember playing as the 801st back in the original Battlefront. Oh, 501st, man. 501st, anyway, 501st, but yeah, Vader's Fist, it was awesome. But yeah, and so literally, because these game companies are service model they're not interested in single players experience anymore of course we get every now and then something that you know proves that the single player experience still is alive but it happens not frequently in the shooter category it seems like no and i want to hand this over to krug because he can speak to us about destiny the game that Mm. promised so much and delivered so little Uh, destiny Destiny is always uh, an interesting topic especially since i feel like there's this very strong line between those that have basically forgotten it exists and those that still keep up and you know pay their way through the paywall and i kind of find myself sitting between both sides because i've kind of drifted off from the market especially since of the time consumption but anyway i used to have time a lot for destiny one and the problem with the way that they've gone about their system is that their finished product with their game is great if you played the game when it was done and you paid the $60 for the Destiny 1 Legendary Edition that came with all their content, and it was filled with story, thousands of story missions and four different raids you could do and a whole bunch of different multiplayer content and all kinds of stuff you could collect. It was great. But if you bought the game at day one, it was terrible. There was nothing there. They basically stuck everything behind a paywall and released it over time. And at the time, I, I think I was young and I had money, and I, I paid through my way through the paywall, and I think it added up to almost $200 in just buying the DLC. So, you could- so basically to have the full game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. I really feel like Destiny is probably the prime example of everything that is wrong with this quote-unquote genre right now. Well, in that Destiny 2 is also the example. Oh, like, Destiny hey. 2 is even worse. Well, and the point is Destiny 2 is like, hey, let's take some stuff that was just in game destiny one and now we're going to hide that behind paywalls as well so i mean let me me speak to the destiny 2 thing because i just started getting to the market when it went on sale i think i bought like over half the content for like 30 bucks and if you'd bought it individually it was over a hundred dollars and one thing i had to do when i jumped into it that i noticed initially was the fact that 
I'd already downloaded the game and I had the when I got the free trial on it and like they released the base game for free for that bird of time or whatever it was, was that it already downloaded all the content. All the DLC was already on my computer. And when I hit the button, it just all of a sudden it just opened up. Like it was I didn't have to download anything. Which I was like, wait a minute, you tell me I had this content the entire time and like there was nothing like attached to it? Like it was basically just an access code more than anything else. See, my problem with Destiny, the reason I quote Destiny is I don't know if you guys remember the marketing campaign that went into Destiny One. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. I, I feel like I'm slow to catch up there, but did you just explain that Destiny two did did you buy that with on a disc? No, no, I I uh I bought it through online. I'm just saying that um that the they pre-downloaded all the DLC on your computer prior to you even owning the DLC. Basically, <laughs> it's it's funny because it just it sounded like DLC, but even without the disc, now it's just you buy the game, you pre-download the DLC, and then sell you the code. I mean, it's basically the same thing as on just DLC. It, God, that's scummy. Yep. Yeah. And that's why it's a great example, because, again, as I was saying, if you remember back all the stuff they promised us, this was Bungie, this was the people that did Halo, it was going to have dynamic weather systems and cross-platform play, and I get it, you don't believe the hype, but when you get in the game, like we did, and it was, as Krug said, barren of content unless you bought all this stuff. Which released over two years later by the time they were done. You yeah, know what taught me. You know what taught me not to believe the hype in general. Uh, a little off topic here, but I'm a fan of Fable, the first game. Oh, the shiny and, example. Yeah, and then Fable Two. I remember that that was, in my opinion, the king of uh, broken promises. And Fable Two is fine, but man, the call, level call of Fable Three. <laughs> it, well, it gets worse. <laughs> they keep promising more and delivering less to the point where Fable Two and Three are both, in my opinion, weaker than Fable One was. And they kept promising more and more. Now, something more in keeping with what we're talking about. I remember the buzz around No Man's Sky, and I was like, "There's oh no, oh boy." <laughs> when that was before it even came out, I knew that it was going to happen. The way it did because I was like, "There's, there's no way they're going to deliver with what they're talking about. It's going to be a game with basically, you know, procedurally generated fastness and nothing to do." And oh my god, that's what it was. I mean, I've heard that, you know, two years after the fact, it finally kind of is the game that they promised, but... That's what I keep hearing. Yeah, it took an extra two years to get there. Is that a problem with just the industry as a whole? Yes, actually it is. That's why, you know, the pre- the predominance of things like pre-culture, whatnot, and then you've got these companies that are just releasing half-done games with basically, they want you to pay for a half-finished game and then pay for the finish later. That's exactly what happened with Battlefront. And that's what happened with Street Fighter V. I love Street Fighter V, but that game was half-finished, and then they finished it later. And I I think something that this adds on to it is there was a time before where you had an expectation of what kind of quality you'd get from a video game. And nowadays, I think if you pre-order a video game, you're you're dumb. There's nothing. I mean, even if you think it's going to be great and you watch the video, there's no guarantee that you're going to get anything anymore. And the pre-ordering is almost always just a waste of money. Well, also, the original reason why you pre-ordered was because there was a possibility you wouldn't get the game. You could be in a situation where they didn't have copies of it. That doesn't yeah. really happen anymore because more than half of the video game audience buys their games digitally and you're not going to run out of digital codes you know yeah so trying to write the ship once more what's a positive example of a modern contemporary shooter we've talked about doom we've talked really okay i want to hear your argument for overwatch because you just okay here's the thing i will shit all day on loot crates and i blame overwatch 
So yes, I'm aware that loot crates exist for Overwatch. Counter-Strike Go has been using loot crates for like 10 years before Overwatch existed. But if you look at the percentage of games released that have loot crate or loot crate-like systems, it jumps up so much the year that Overwatch came out because Overwatch was so successful with it that it made it popular. Now, that's actually why I boycott Overwatch. As a game, though, if you you know move the, the loot crit stuff aside, which really at the end of the day you can't do because the game's kind of tweaked to make... Anyway, psychological manipulation. But the game itself, how it's played, character design, the kineticism of how you actually play it, the way in which it does team mechanics and have you know, like characters, moves, interact with each other in such interesting ways is so far ahead of the ga- the the kind of shooters that were around okay krug what do you got for us so on the topic of like overwatch and i feel like overwatch kind of made a genre of its own at the time or at least it made a genre that was already there more prominent well because uh, what it did was basically combine shooters mobas and like fighting game principles so yeah and i feel like there were some other popular games that i remember releasing around the same time and i do remember that overwatch killed most of the other ones at the time um but like i was gonna yeah battleborn um is definitely one i was gonna talk about one of the what's the i'm trying to remember now maybe someone else can remember the name but battleborn just the one that got killed by overwatch because yeah the same release time yes which was sad for me because i loved the makers of that video game i don't remember the one that's really popular now that's of the same genre where you play as uh, mythical heroes and characters smite smite Smite. yeah by the way that genre again quote unquote moba uh multiplayer online battle arena smite's fine but my point is that uh, Overwatch was, I don't know if it was the first shooting MOBA, but I remember when the trailers for Overwatch were coming out and we were seeing gameplay trailers, it was like, because I was playing League of Legends at the time, so I was like, wait, it's a MOBA, but as like a first-person shooter with these crazy cool characters? That was what was exciting about it. And the, the sad part about for that, so we'll circle back to the Battleborn thing, is that so the people that made the Borderlands games obviously were the developers of the 2K. new, yeah, 2K. Uh, and Gearbox, I believe as well. Uh, 2K yeah, like Gearbox is in there because 2K yeah. was the is the um what do you call it a producer, right? Pub- the, publisher, the publisher, right? Gearbox uh, software and 2K games, yeah, right. So the thing about that is that if you a lot of people didn't even know it exists, and I feel like most people don't even know what it it is because it got so washed under the rug. And what's sad is I loved the company that made it, and I played the game, and I love playing Battleborn. It's still one of my favorite games to play if I if there were people that played it the server is just so empty at this point that it's it's become non-existent and what's weird to me is that i've played overwatch and i've played battleborn and to me they use a lot of this they're not identical don't there's a lot of differences between but they use some of the same ideas with the you know the having the heroes and making it a shooter mechanic and i don't know why overwatch did so well and battleborn died off so blizzard built-in fan base Uh... Okay. You look at the you look at the world of Warcraft and how it has managed to steamroll every competitor, despite despite the fact that it hasn't really changed much. Actually, though, that's there's a whole another episode's worth of information about about that, which has nothing to do with just so like a big thing with MMORPGs and how that multiplayer aspect and playing with your friends works. Basically, if you want to take wow, if you want to take World of Warcraft's player base, you need to have all the players move on mass. And that doesn't happen. Basically, you might move, but unless you and your entire friends group move, then you're not going to move. And that's what I, like I've watched, for instance, Stevie keep you know keep getting pulled back into WoW because he's got so many friends from WoW that all it takes is a couple of them to be like, 
hey, new stuff's happening. Why don't you come play with us? And then he'll come back into it. So anyway, not the point. Overwatch versus Battle, there's which is weird because again, Battleborn basically died on the vine. At the end of the day, I think Overwatch was a, a lot better polished and certainly put on a better like sales pitch comparatively. So oh, yeah. And yeah, and I agree with all that. And I think my honestly I don't play much of Overwatch anymore, but I feel like I'm not of the market of the new games anymore because I think the thing about Overwatch for me is that, like I don't really see the benefit of playing it so many times over and over and not really seeing too much I'm character and there's new skins and things but to me that's not enough to keep me like coming back to it for months upon months I mean it's fun to hop into and play and it's fun to hop out of and but I don't know I just I have trouble playing I can't I can't see myself playing it for multiple hours for long periods but so you're saying you don't really have a contemporary shooter that you think is a good example Honestly, contemporary shooters have a lot of the mainstream ones have killed themselves and shot themselves in the foot. And oh, I feel yeah. like that's a that's a big issue. I think honestly there's like there's first person shooters that I play, but I wouldn't I mean, I wouldn't call them contemporary. Like I like playing Vermintide 2. That's one of my Vermintide and Vermintide 2 are a lot of fun to play. Those um, are more those are fun games. Those are more horde though. Of course, I'm just saying of like the first person genre obviously. Um yeah. which is not a genre. Don't you have to Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> Angry eyebrows over. There. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but apparently no one wants to listen to me. educate them on proper game design. So if you ever- want to hear Axel talk about proper game design, leave a comment below. We will record a session where he informs you on proper game design and put it up. The idea yeah. of like first-person genres is like different too, and the fact that like it's not a genre, but it's also I feel like people see it as a genre, and I agree with the fact that like there really is like you can't. How can you stick games like Borderlands and like Fallout? in the same boat as like battlefield and like they're not like there's so many different things that go into that that you really it's really hard to lay them all over one blank yeah Yeah, but apparently the last time i tried to explain why you feel why feel that way no one cared so no unfortunately no one did but again i left it if you want to hear axel talk about game design just just go watch extra credits they've got a great explanation of it it's an as an episode called the mda extra credits mda like there you go. But finish what finish listening to this one first, okay? We need the views more than they do right now. Finish us, then go watch them. Okay. Well, my go-to that I just kind of stumbled on is the new Wolfenstein is a lot of fun. Yeah, Wolfenstein's good. The reason I again, and this one combines a lot of what I love in you know first person shooters. It's got a solid story, so my fun is not reliant on other people. I again ascribe to the Yahtzee Croshaw method of my fun should not come from other people. Other people enhance my fun, but they're not reliant for my fun. I get to kill Nazis, and come on, in this day and age, who doesn't want to kill some Nazis? And it's inventive. I'm not just like, oh, here's a shotgun. Oh, here's, you know, an assault rifle. No, it's crazy mashed up. Is it diesel punk that that falls under? I'd buy it if someone told me that. Well, I just don't know how you describe Mecha Hitler. Well, I mean... Is that an aesthetic all of its own? I'm sure there is a term for it. There's Okay, let us know down in the comments below. But that is a strong single player that is, you know, fun, has an end, you know. It's not this copy-paste shooter mechanics of a shotgun, uh, assault rifle, a pistol. It's just... And again, I would also say Borderlands is a great example of this because they have that, but they're like, but this submachine gun sets people on fire. Borderlands 2 is, I think, the only first-person shooter game I have in my Steam library. It's the only one that I have regular-ish rotation. And now... 2K and Gearbox have kind of gone to hell in the last, you know, half decade or so. But whenever 
if ever Borderlands 3 comes out, I will be psyched. So the I've heard is, rumblings about it. Yeah, the problem yeah, is it, that the general game rotation right now is, like, before we did this podcast, I was playing Star Trek Birth of the Federation, which is basically Civilization, but with Star Trek. I, you know, I'm playing Monster Hunter and Dark Souls and games like that. I'm just not really into a lot of shooting games in general. Understand. I think the main, I think the main issue that's run into shooting games, which I, I think I've ran into myself, is is that I've gotten old. As I've you know gotten older, is that I kind of want a game that actually like makes me think a little bit, gives me like a little bit of more choice, and gives me a lot, a lot more to think about. Versus like I, I get kind of bored just running around and shooting at things with no real like thought behind it. And I feel like yeah. that. When, I know that I'm not the main streamer that, but have you played Spec Ops: The Line? Uh, I did play Spec Ops: The Line. Just wanted to add that in there after what you said. So, and I and I agree that like there are some shooters that do require a lot of thought. And I just I'm not I'm just saying the majority of them games like I remember like I used to play you know a lot of different shooter games playing games like Battlefield and things like that and sometimes they require a lot of thought. I'm just saying the majority of the time there's not there's not as much um like you know as much uh, strategy not, that goes in and there's not like nothing keeps you coming back. There's not like well I want to know what happens next. Well, that's also kind of, again, because of the whole live service model. Instead, they just want to yeah. make a, it allows It allows the game companies to try to do as little as possible and let you know the players do their job for them. So, so if we were to grade the genre as a whole, what kind of grade do we hand it? Right, currently? Yeah. Like, I don't want to give it a C, but as Krug kind of pointed out, it's hard to think of a contemporary game that really was like, oh, that was a good, solid, fun game. We'll see. I give the AAA video game market in F currently, so apply that. Yeah, Krug? So the issue is that, like, I feel like the main games that people hear about are, which most people consider their AAA titles, have really been falling behind in their marketing system and also in the fact that they've basically been ignoring their fan base. I think one of the the ones that I hear most of now, now is, I don't, can't remember if it was after the release of Battlefield Five or if it was Battlefront Two where Basically, uh, EA came out and said, if you don't like it, don't buy it. And I feel like as a... That was uh, after Battlefront 2. Yeah. And um, when I hear that, I just think, wow, you just basically shot yourself in the foot. Fine, we won't buy it. Like, you know, you can't... Yeah, what you kind know, of marketing tactic is that? Hold on. You know what's funny? Actually, even, even more thing about this, I definitely give this, whatever you want to call this set of games we're discussing today, an F, because in the AAA market, it definitely gets an F because AAA games in general get an F from me because the AAA market is a toxic wasteland of sludge and scum. But even in the indie market, like the best indie games aren't shooters. A lot of the best indie games right now are things like RPGs and weird, like kind of story based platformers. As far as shooters go, in the indie market, it's basically a sea of copy paste Unity asset bullshit uh, and people trying to copy DayZ and it, you know, not being DayZ. So that's even, you know, almost worse <laughs> that it's just like terrible game after terrible game you have to sift through. So, so they're just. I, I agree with what you're saying. Is I, I think that you're saying that it's just like basically that they've been remarketing the same titles and the same concepts for long periods of time now. And I think that that's what's killing the AAA market. Well, especially yeah, what's but... killing the uh, the indie market for shooters. Yeah. All right. So um, Axel gives it an F. Krug, what letter do you think? I okay. So if I went by letter, I would say a C, and that's because C? I feel like if you looked at some of the AAA titles and you played the right one, you can have you can have a great experience with some of the AAA titles. But I think if you pick the wrong ones, it will leave a bad taste. Yeah, I'm not going to give it a C. 
because I don't, I just, I can't think of anything that came out recently that was like, oh, wow, that really restored my faith. But I'm not going to give it an F because when I think F, I'm like, it's done. There's no coming back. I'm going to give it a D, D minus. I think I want to believe more than anything that there will be another Bungie or another Insomniac or another studio that really, truly wants to make good shooters. Okay, with story well for, and creative. For the record, then I gotta I gotta illustrate that when I say F, I don't mean the same thing you were saying. I don't because I, no, I don't I'm see not. F as I don't see F as it's done. What I see F as is the industry is failing. It's failing its customers. It's failing itself. So they are a failure currently. You can always come back from yeah. a failure. There can always be a resurgence. But as of right now, it is a failure. So F. <laughs> That's totally fair. And I think that kind of just sums up where we our general feelings towards the industry as a whole. And I think it's fair to say we all want to get better. We all want to play good games. And we all want to spend our money on good games. I mean, that's fair to say, right? I don't yeah. want things to be bad. I think, uh, I think something that definitely would benefit both the genres is the thing is, is I think the wall you'll hit with either side is if you play AAA titles, often what you run into is a lot of uh, microtransactions. You run into paywalls. What you gain with playing a AAA title is the optimization normally is almost always nailed down. The game runs well, it runs with less required hardware, and it runs effective. When you look at games sometimes that will release that are not on the AAA side, I, I had to say, like, I recently just started playing Total War Warhammer, and I was surprised by the fact that I'm running, like, one of the newer setups on a computer, and the uh, it's it doesn't run that well. And I've read online that, like, is a non, like, even last a huge AAA title, is the optimization is just is poor. And I'm surprised by that. And as I've run other optimism. games that I enjoy. You know, I love, I love you bringing that up because that, that is supposed to be the, the, the draw of AAA, right? That they've got a bigger company, bigger team, more money to throw at it. And yet we keep seeing the AAA initiative release half-finished games that are glitchy and broken and they want to sell you the rest of the game. So you're not even getting that promise anymore. I agree, which is why I think that the two industries, honestly, I think could learn a lot from each other. I think that if you had more development time and if you'd had a bigger team, you know, that games that are on the low end, you know, could have had a bigger success. But I also think that companies that make AAA titles, um, they miss out on what the smaller teams will do, which is listen to what people want when they release. And I feel like that's the big thing. It's like it's left a lot of games out to dry is the fact that they've basically just ignored what they think, what, what the, you know, what the general public thinks about their video games. And I think that's not really tolerable when the fact that they're your primary source of it. Yeah, I think that sums it up. I mean, hopefully we'll see something change. Should we move on to suggestions of the week? Or does anybody have any well, last statements they want to put in? All right, let, let's, do, let's do closing statements then real quick. Because I want to say that I'm very critical of the game industry in general. But video games are still my absolute favorite way to pass the time. I actually feel like, artistically speaking, they have more capacity to tell great stories and deliver great experiences than any other type of medium because of the interactiveness rather play a great you know read a great book and i love reading or watch a great movie the fact that you interact with a game means that it has the capacity to affect you more so i have i i want games to be the great artistic medium that i think they can be and when they fail i get really upset because i'm so invested in it so that's the only reason i'm so i'm so critical because it's important to me and I, I want to see more and better, but I only see the industry changing if it continues to be called on its bullshit. So I will continue to rant and rave about the things that go wrong until I see them change. 
done. I don't think anyone else has got anything else to say. I think you uh, summed uh, it up for us all. Oh, well, I think the only, thing, I, the only thing I was going to add is I feel like games and companies that do make um, an effort at improving their market and trying to change that the you know the state that they're in should get applauded for for when they do it right and should get shunned for when they do it. Right. And I feel like that's important. Is if a game does try to make a change, that you should you know you should acknowledge that and you should put your time and energy towards you know making them apparent that it does make a difference in the. Well, anyway, I uh, I agree because that's that's basically the stick and the carrot. So. Ulrich, you have any last thoughts? Every time we bring Krug on, we end up being a lot darker and more serious than we originally intended. Hey, video games are important to me. Oh, uh, no. I'm just noting, like, we had him on the Serial Killer episode, which did well, you sick motherfuckers. God bless you all. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we are running running behind, so let's move on to the suggestions. All right, suggestions of the week. Who wants to get us started? I'll start because mine is easily the week in that over the last week since the last time we recorded, I've basically been doing nothing but playing Monster Hunter and watching Star Trek. So I don't have a, lot, a whole lot new going on. So one thing that I will say that a friend of mine, uh, Rels, is his handle. So I'll, I'll go by that if he's ever interested in coming on. He bought for me a game called Elite Dangerous that him and all his friends were playing. And, you know, he sent me a message. He's like, hey, if I buy you this game, will you play with us? And I was like, well, I'll feel a little awkward buying me stuff, but I'm not going to say no. And apparently it's this uh, like pretty large, like one to one scale galaxy type Ooh, game. I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, where you start off with this tiny little clipper of a spaceship, but you can still hyper jump to different systems. But keeping track of your fuel and stuff like that is. But anyway, point is, it's such a large open ended game that it's one of those kinds where you kind of have to find your own fun. Like uh, Wretched told me that when he picked it up, he had fuel running, as in he became a guy who basically runs fuel to locations that need nothing told him to do that. That's just what he started doing. So you can kind of find almost like occupation things to do, which sounds boring, I think, but. I haven't gotten far enough in, but I've, I've done a little bit of playing and the actual way you control your ship is pretty neat. The dogfighting is pretty accurate, which means it can be really frustrating, but also really cool. And the actual visuals are really, really nice. Like it, it feels like I'm flying through space. So this sounds a lot like Eve, but not boring. Yeah, actually, when I started playing it, that's the impression I got is that like Eve, but from a in the cockpit perspective, as opposed to like a overworld control perspective, you know? Yeah, no, God damn. Go away, Eve players. No one wants to play your dumb accounting game. Yeah, so I can't really say if I suggest, but a bunch of my friends whose judgment I do value play it. And uh, that's reason enough, I think, to say you should give it a look-see at least. Well, you suggested it on the internet, and now it's there forever. Yeah, maybe I'll regret it later. Maybe not. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, so a million fans will hold you to. Girls, what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, I've I've been pretty busy, and I haven't too much of a time to market in. But I had to think that the last time, since we're talking about AAA titles, we're talking about you know games that are first-person shooters and like the mass different types you can play. The last one I can remember that I picked up was Titanfall Two, and Titanfall One had its issues, and it definitely you know was had a flawed game and so was titanfall 2 but they made a lot of improvements to titanfall 2 that a lot of uh, people were asking for and i feel like this is that chance to applaud a company that's actually trying to improve their market and improve like you know listen to what their fan base wants uh you can pick that game up 
for dirt cheap when it goes on sale. I think I bought it for like $6 for the Legendary Collection. The storyline is actually, um, they actually put effort into their campaign and it's, it's, it's pretty fun to play if you haven't had a chance. Um, it gives you like a pretty close experience and like with clearing, uh, make connections through Titan and things. And so they actually put time and effort into their campaign. And then the multiplayer is also, they do it, they do the wall running and they do things of like that type that they, that they designed. They do it better than any company. And the multiplayer, I think, is actually quite a lot. So I think if you're looking for a AAA title that, that did well, that I think got washed under the rug, I think Titanfall 2 is worth it. I actually got a couple. I'll start with my more strong one. I recently stated I've been cutting back on the amount of podcasts I listen to. One I would not cut, did not cut, could not cut is Collider Live. I don't know if either of you guys are familiar with the Schmodown. No. Nerd trivia, sort of. Um, I'm not a big fan of it. I'm more of a movie fights guy. Anyways, this is a weekly podcast they put on, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at the Collider Studios. And one, it's freaking hilarious. It's almost a radio show in just a structure. But they talk about news. They talk about, you know, video games. They talk about whatever's on their mind. It's about two hours long. And like I said, they have a semi-rotating cast. They have a you know, key, couple key hosts. But it's just a great, fun podcast, if you're not for anything in particular. So again, I really suggest that. The other one, first let me say, I am not a fan of reaction videos. I don't really understand reaction videos. I don't really understand the appeal of reaction videos. I'm with you so, there. One night, Slagathor and I you know, stumbled onto this channel called The Try. The Tri's whole gimmick is they have a group of Irish people in a semi-rotating group. Most of them are YouTubers themselves, and they just have them try random things. And I have found myself binging through this over the last week or so, partially because because it's a rotating group, you start to develop your favorite people, and like, oh, they have the best reactions with blank, or oh, they have the best reactions with blank. So you, that kind of helps. Two, they're all, like I said, there's quite a few more stand-up comedians, YouTubers, whatnot. One of the best discoveries I've had is the Irish's hatred for peanut butter. They just do not understand peanut butter, think it is terrible, and because so many things they try are American, it's peanut butter involved. Hmm. So some of the reactions are classic, and of course, to make it great, a lot of them are done drunk. And that's also dispelled the rumor that the Irish can hold their liquor, because one of my favorite ones was Irish people try moonshine. And the reactions there were priceless. Again, I'm not a fan of try videos, but I don't know if it's the rotating cast or just the fact they're Irish. This is a lot of fun and they're really easy to binge through. So that is my suggestion of the week. By the way, as a side note, you use the word binge several times. And I now associate the word binge with a very specific show. So it's like, you ever have words like that, that, you know, now it's inextricably tied to a certain entertainment. Yeah. For the record, the show's Binging with Babish, which is a great YouTube channel where a guy makes food from television and movies and stuff. But anyway. We'd like to thank Prug for coming on and joining us. Thank you for having me. We'll have to get you back on another time. Maybe talk about serial killers again. I know how much Axel enjoys. Or how about just video games of some sort? As always, we are going to ask you to like, share, and subscribe because YouTube hates us. And if you want to help us protest said YouTube algorithm, you can support us on the one thing I feel comfortable pushing because on SoundCloud you can download so you don't have to listen to us at your computer. There are no ads. If we get enough people listen to us, then SoundCloud will consider us real boys and we can actually have like perks of being an actual podcast kind of thing. So, yay. So, as always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich and his shield brother, Axel Wright.
Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.